Oh, it's, oh sorry, Acts chapter 2. I'm so sorry. So we're on page 1032. I'm off the plot. Actually, that's probably my cue to hand over yeah. to Catherine. She's going to bring our reading, and then she's going to uh, speak to us. So Acts chapter 2, page 1032. Catherine. Yeah. So that's Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Emelites, residents of Macedonia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Ada, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they'd had too much wine. Let's pray as we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage here in Acts about Pentecost. We pray that you would speak to us through it, that our hearts would be open to hear your voice. Help us to learn and listen to what you may be saying to us today. Amen. Um, as Pat said earlier, my name is Catherine, and um, I've been coming to St. Dianus for the past three years, and it's a real privilege to be part of this church. For anyone who wasn't here last week, Pat, our um, associate vicar, was uh, informing us that we're having a series on the Holy Spirit. And last week, he was looking at who is the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm going to be focusing on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as Pat explained last week, the Bible tells us that every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. The Holy Spirit is a person, and when you become a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Romans 8, St. Paul says very clearly, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, they don't belong to him. And yet, Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus and says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word there is in the present tense. Continue being filled again and again and again. So what then is the difference between a Christian and a Christian who is being filled with the Spirit? As Pat said last week, it's a bit like a gas boiler. You always have a pilot light on a gas boiler, which is always on. But when you need hot water for your shower, and it's really frustrating, you don't get that. Um, the flames come on and the, and the body just bursts into life. And in some ways, it's a bit like that with the Holy Spirit. He is always there. But like those at Pentecost, we can also be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've often recognized um, in myself that I can be quite conservative about my response to the Holy Spirit. I'm often nervous at times to talk about it. I don't always quite know how to respond. 
And I think that for many of us, if you kind of are in that boat, it's perhaps influenced by this more general worldwide interest in spirituality. Um, so we're a bit more hesitant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was reading a BBC News article that said a fifth of the UK would describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. And it's actually become quite a famous, trendy, fashionable, trendy, that's the word my mum uses, fashionable <laughs> thing for celebrities um, to be spiritual but not religious. Russell Brand once said, I stay clear of organized religion and go straight to spirituality. Even now on dating apps, the question under religious beliefs has an option box which you can tick which says SBNR, spiritual but not religious. I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if there was a box which said FWHS, filled with the Holy Spirit. I, d I don't know how well that would go down. Um, and actually, although we live in a world with so many option boxes to tick, um, you know, we have so many choices. For Christians, being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just another option box. Actually, it's a command. It's an imperative. Be filled. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, we see a number of occasions where people were filled with the Holy Spirit. You might want to just grab a Bible and keep it open in Acts as we flick a little bit. And people today, like many of those in Acts, might fall into these um, different categories. Firstly, those who are longing to be filled. The people at Pentecost were longing to be filled. If you look down, Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues of fire which came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit came on all of them. So if you're longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit like the people in Acts, you will be filled. Secondly, there were those who were receptive and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, there were those who were hostile. Just like Paul, St. Paul in the Bible, um, he was actually persecuting Christians. He hated Christianity and he had an encounter with Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and his whole life was transformed. And he was actually telling other people about Jesus. Fourthly, there might be those of us who are unfamiliar. Perhaps you've been coming to church for a while, you're still working out all of this, and actually you want to learn a bit more about the Holy Spirit. Or you're a Christian and you feel you've got that pilot light on, but you want to find out a bit more. And fifthly, those who think it's quite unlikely. I don't really think that I'm a spiritual person, I'm not really the religious type. And we see in the passage that actually many people looked at those at Pentecost and thought that they were drunk on wine. What's going on here? And you might find you're in that category. And if I'm honest, I think that since becoming a Christian, I've experienced being in all those different categories at different times. I became a Christian when I was quite young. I was about nine or ten years old. And uh, a few years later, I was beginning to uh, ask a few more questions about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I remember I was praying one evening with my mum, and she said, should we pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And uh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I experienced the gift of tongues. And I was quite young, and I didn't totally understand what was going on, which is like a heavenly language, which again, they speak about here. 
Um, but I knew in that moment that the Holy Spirit was real. I had an experience of God's love. However, obviously being a teenager at school, I was at Lady Margaret across the road, it's not the kind of thing that you shout about having the gift of tongues uh, if you wanted to have any friends. However, uh, my sister, who was a lot less embarrassed than I was and a lot more excited by it, accidentally let it slip in an RS lesson about Pentecost that her little sister had the gift of tongues. Uh, anyway, so I'm standing there innocently in the lunch queue and I suddenly have 10 of the most popular year 10 girls come bounding up to me saying, apparently you can speak in some weird tongue language. <laughs> can you do it for us now? Um, and actually, I remember at that moment, for some reason, my first instinct to my panic was just to uh, recite my French oral, um, <laughs> which fortunately I didn't, but I did get um, the nickname Tongue Girl, um, which for more reasons than one is not really a name you want to keep. Um, I'm still slightly shaking it off. Um, but in my slight... Um, embarrassment of being filled with the Holy Spirit, I actually began to become quite unreceptive. You know, I began to doubt. I, you know, I just thought, actually, that's not for me. I'm just going to be a Christian, but I'm not particularly spiritual, and that's fine. And this was because I hadn't fully grasped what, uh, a, a, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit was. And as I've grown in my faith and I've continued to learn, I've read the Bible more, I've come to realize that being filled with the Holy Spirit is being filled firstly with God's power to actually be able to be a Christian, but also being filled with the Spirit is being overwhelmed by the love of God. And those are the two things that I want to unpack further, looking at how then we can be filled. In the ancient world, there were religious people who were called the Jews, and there were non-religious people who were called the Gentiles. And in the early days of Christianity, it would take quite a lot of convincing for the Jews to believe that Gentiles could become Christians. And in Acts 10, verses 44 to 48, we learn about someone called Cornelius, and he was a Gentile. He received a very clear message from God in a vision, and at the same time, Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, also received a very clear message that he was to go and preach in Cornelius' house. He was to go and preach in a Gentile's house. And while he was preaching, we're told in verse 44 that the Spirit came. The circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, the non-Jews. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. They received the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter goes on to say in verse 47, They received the Spirit just as we had. Just as, the, as they had experienced in Pentecost. Pentecost suddenly wasn't just a one-off event. Others were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it must have been dramatic. You know, Peter was in the middle of preaching and he had to stop because the wind of God, the ruach as it's often described in the Bible, was passing through the room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had the power of the Holy Spirit. And the great thing is, is that we can also be filled with the Holy Spirit in that same way. We're filled with God's power. 
power to serve, power to go out and tell other people about Jesus, power to be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. And Paul even says in 1 Corinthians that everything he did, all his words, carried conviction because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You look at Paul's life and you can't help but notice how amazing he was able to spread the word of Jesus. And he could do that because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We used to go um, sailing with my godparents in the Lake District on um, Derwent Water. And often, you know, because it's the UK, there would not be very much wind. So we'd be sitting, waiting for quite a while in the harbour. And while we were waiting in the harbour, we needed the gentle breeze just to come out and the stronger wind to happen to fill the sails so that we could actually see the vast expanse of the lake. And in some ways, it's like that with the Holy Spirit. Without him, we get stuck in the harbour. Our familiar environments, our Christian communities that we know. Um, but actually, when the Spirit fills ourselves, we are able to go out to wherever God calls us. And for many of us, that might be here in London. But he's calling us, he's sending us out to go and draw others to Christ. Being filled with the Spirit is being filled with God's power. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And secondly, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we encounter the overwhelming love of God. And this is because the supreme work of the Spirit is to pour God's love into our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5, which were my favorite verses, says God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This image of pouring, it's, it's an overwhelming action. It's like a waterfall. It's lavish and it's generous. And the truth is that all humans need to experience love. It's a human need. And um, actually last summer, my sister Ellie again, sorry, she keeps coming in, um, was reading this book called The Love Languages. And uh, this is just a, a way that people often relate to each other. And it gives you five specific different examples. And I was kind of asking her a bit about it. And, uh, and we started discussing, you know, oh, what is this? What do we think we are? There's things like acts of service and words of affirmation and physical touch. And everyone kept saying to me, oh, you're definitely words of affirmation. And I was like, no, I'm not, am I? Um, and I kept getting a bit defensive. So I went off on a bit of a strop. I thought, oh, I'm not words of affirmation. And um, I was going through them all. And I was thinking, okay, which ones am I? And I suddenly realized that actually I was all five. I really needed everything. <laughs> I'm just a really needy person. <laughs> um, but the truth is that we actually, we all need to experience love. If you saw the Manchester concerts um, last week uh, in light of all the terrorist attacks, you would have noticed the amount of references to love. Love conquers fear. And actually when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are welcomed into the love of the Father and the Son. We had some baptisms this morning and um, you know, Tim was baptized in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And it's Trinity Sunday today. And we are welcomed into the love between the Father and the Son. And last week, Pat briefly um, spoke about this sculpture. It might be coming up on um, the screen by Charlie Mackesy um, of the Prodigal Son. And 
uh, in the story of the prodigal son, the son has uh, rejected his father and his family. He's taken all his father's money. He's gone off. He's partying. He just wants to have fun. And when his money runs out and he realizes that he hasn't got any friends, he comes back to his father. And he's nervous. How is his father going to greet him? And although he's rejected his father, his father actually just completely embraces him with complete and utter love. And I love this sculpture because I think that actually depicts it perfectly. That complete surrender into the father's arms. He's just embraced in his tight clasp. And that, in some ways, is the only way I can describe um, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's being overwhelmed by that love of God completely embracing us. And it's right and it's okay for us to respond to that in church. Sometimes I found I can find it quite hard to be emotional. You know, not all of us are as emotional as Pat Allison. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we actually can find it hard to sometimes express that in church. But this is okay. And people will vary. Some people are just less emotional. I sometimes take a prayer position, which was like this, my hands like cupped. And it was kind of like, a, I'm okay, leave me alone, I'm all right, I'm being prayed for. But actually, Tim was saying this morning, when we're putting our hands out, we were saying, we want to receive this, like you receive a gift. Actually, we're okay and we're allowed to respond to God's love. And sometimes when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are physical manifestations. On the day of Pentecost, they saw tongues of fire. Some people feel that they need to lie down. Some people cry. Some people get really hot. Some people just feel a real sense of peace. And some people don't feel any of that at all. And that is okay. And in a couple of weeks' time, Lydia, our new curate, is going to be speaking more on the gifts of the Spirit. And the manifestations of the Spirit happen in different ways. But what is really important is what is going on in the heart. God sees the heart. Hearts that are open and longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Hebrew culture we read about in Acts, they were by no means perfect, but they were really open to the work of the Spirit. And it got me thinking about this question, how here as a church at St. Dinus can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the simple truth is that we receive it like every other gift by asking. We need to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we ask for it in our brokenness and our complete dependency on God. And I think sometimes there can be obstacles in the way which stop us from asking. Sometimes it's doubt. We're not sure about this. We've experienced weird things before. We don't think it would ever happen to us. But Jesus says in Luke, knock and the door will be opened unto you. Everyone who asks receives. The Bible tells us nothing will hinder God from filling us. Sometimes it might be fear. You know, some of the disciples at Pentecost were very fearful. It says that they were both amazed but also perplexed. What the heck is going on here? What if something terrible happens to me? What if I'm humiliated? 
But again, in that same passage in Luke, Jesus says, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God's not going to give us terrible things, just like a parent doesn't give their child terrible things. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And it might be in the third category, you might feel inadequate. Actually, I don't feel I deserve the Holy Spirit. It's only vicars and those type of people that can be filled. But again, Jesus is saying, how much more will your Father give you? But I actually think one of the biggest obstacles we face is distraction. We're filled with so much other stuff, so many option boxes to tick, that actually we can find it really hard just to make space and priority and time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like the boiler, for some of you, you might feel that the pilot light is on, but you are actually longing to be filled. And it just hasn't been something you've been able to ask for or pray for. And we're so busy. You know, we've got work, we've got our social lives, sometimes even church can distract us. We've got our phones, we've got the internet. You know, within one second, if we have a question, we can just type it into Google and we're connected. And we, we, you know, we can so easily connect with this world out there that we're actually finding it harder to connect with God. And this passage in Ephesians gives us a really specific distraction. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but can be, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we easily face this temptation. And Jesus gives us a really specific example I know that I'll have a better evening if I just have a few more pints. I'm always more fun at the weekends if I have a few glasses of wine. People always say I'm a lot funnier when I'm drunk. These thoughts are going to our heads. And actually, debauchery seems like quite an extreme word in this situation. But actually, Jesus is warning us because these distractions can lead us that way. So again, it got me thinking... What is it in our own lives that might lead us more towards debauchery than being filled with the Holy Spirit? So today we're going to ask God to fill us. And my prayer is that you will continue asking God to fill us the next day and the next day and so forth. Because you can be filled wherever you are. It doesn't just have to be here in church. And in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit is in the plural form. It's addressed to the whole community. It's not just for some of us. It's not just for Christians who've been Christians for 10 years. It's for all of us. We are all called as a church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reasons for that tells us in that passage is so that we can live in fellowship, so that we can worship together, which is what we're doing today, and so that we can share in thanksgiving. But also... Because being a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit is attractive to others. Like it says in Acts, people wanted to find out more. People wanted to ask questions. And for many of us here tonight, you might have um, realized, you know, you've been a Christian for a while. And you're in that situation, which I've been in many a time when you're driving. And you suddenly realize that you're running out of petrol. 
and um, you keep thinking, oh, I'll do it on the next trip, I'll do it on the next trip, it's fine. And then suddenly the red light starts flashing at you, you kind of think, oh crap, I need to fill up really soon. Um, and for some of us, perhaps that is where you're at. The red light is beginning to flash. You know that you need to be filled. And the Holy Spirit allows the presence of God into our lives so that we can have the power of God to actually live as Christians, to get out there, but also to know the overwhelming love of God. The love that's, well, it's not there anymore. The love that's depicted in that sculpture, that all-embracing love that we are welcomed into with the Father and the Son. And in our next song, um, we sing these words, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It's what our hearts long for. And that is my prayer for us as a church, that we would be people who long for the Holy Spirit, who long to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite you to stand and... Um, we're going to sing. I'm going to hand back over to Tim. <laughs>